0: Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, part of the Believe Network, coming to you after the shorthanded New England Revolution settled for a 3-3 draw with the Chicago Fire after coming back from 2-0 and 3-2 deficits. Noel Buck, Bobby Wood, and Josie Altidore all found the back of the net for the Revs in the draw. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today by Hayden Berg from the Boston Globe. Hayden, how's it going? Uh, it's going
1: well. It's good to be
0: here. We had a a very exciting Revs game where they came back from multiple deficits. And then if you flipped over to the Celtics right after that, you (laughs) saw a very exciting end of the Celtics game. So it was a uh, very entertaining night and probably not a good night for passion uh, passionate fans for your, for your hearts. If you were, if you're watching that, a <laughs> lot of stress.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you were, and it looked like there was a very good crowd at the Revs game last night, there was over 27,000 and it seemed like if you were there, you absolutely got your money's worth. And then, yeah, it's if you were watching the Celtics game on your phone, then it was just like a complete night of sports there for you uh, in terms of range of emotions. <laughs>
0: Um, and before we jump into takeaways, and there's, I think, a lot to take away from this kind of wild game, I wanted to quickly mention our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, sports, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season, as they have you covered for all of your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL, soccer, golf to UFC, and boxing. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play. Right from your home. Get in the action today by heading to their website or using your mobile device to join. And be sure to use promo code BELIEVE. That's BELIEVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hayden, let's get right into our key takeaways brought to you by our friends from the Rebellion Supporters Group. Check them out at AnyRebellion on Twitter and their website, anyrebellion.org. Hayden, what's your key takeaway from this one? Uh, like I said, there's a, there's a lot of directions you can go with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I always have trouble distilling it down to one, and I'm I'm so bad at that. But I guess my top, top, top level would just be uh, if you didn't. You know, the, it's kind of an obvious one, but just like the utter importance of Carlos Hill to um, a lot of what the Revs do, and in ways that are kind of subtle, as you maybe you know could have appreciated, especially watching the first thirty minutes of the first half, where they just had no outlet whatsoever, and against a team that. Has not been great this year. At home, uh, you know, they seem to struggle to progress in their build up and create um any sort of uh chances until an absolute wonder strike from Noel Buck. So yeah, just like the importance of Hill. Um, but also just overall that they I felt looked the better team uh, for most of the game and yet never led. And so that sort of tells you um the state of the game for them in terms of I would say uh defensive mistakes. Um yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. My my key takeaway was actually going to be about the lack of identity without Carles, too. Because, you know, you look at how this game started... It, the revolution really struggled to create anything early on in this game, and they fell behind two nothing. And two nothing was probably they're probably unlucky to be behind two nothing, but at the same time, offensively, they weren't generating anything. And like you said, you look at the two goals that they did score in the comeback, and don't want to take anything away from that. That was a you know fantastic job to come back and in, in pretty quick fashion with two goals in two minutes. But one of them was a wonder strike from No Buck at twenty five yards out. It wasn't some great buildup that led to a, a great chance. It was just a fantastic shot from distance, which you know. It, great great job by Noel buck but it doesn't say too much about what the offense was generating and then the goal the second goal was off a corner kick um so it it, it, again it wasn't like they found some some great offensive flow and, and scored two goals they they Found ways to score, which is great, but it wasn't. There was something missing from this Revolution team without Carles heel, and even more so when Gustavo Bow is also out. We've seen in the past when when heel has been out, Bow has been able to step in a bit and kind of take some of that creativity off the loads of the shoulders of the rest of the team, or you know score some wonder goals. But when both of them are out this team really does lack an offensive identity and they weren't able to really find it in this game, despite the fact that they scored two goals in that first half. And, you know, with, with Carly's heel and his injury history and him getting up there in age and Gustavo Bo with his you know injury history and him getting up there in age. I think it's important that the revolution do find a way to get more offense going when Carles heel is out, because you can't count on him to be out there every game. And we're talking about a week now where the revolution have three games in a week, uh, I I don't think they found that yet, right? And you you talk about Hill's impact. He came on and in 30 minutes, he had 49 touches. He was on pace for 150 touches in this
1: game. (laughs) He, yeah, he absolutely came on and was immediately central. And take nothing away, in a sense, from Noel Buck, who obviously was, it looked like he was sort of tasked with Hill's role, just looking at how they were lined up. And he was playing a number 10 role. And I thought, you know, he played admirably, but they just sort of like, it's like sort of a confidence thing or like, you know, sort of Carlos, they just expect to get him the ball. And so it just sort of happens. And with another player, it just looks like they're less comfortable, just sort of not forcing passes in, but just playing passes into tighter locations. Even though I think Noel Buck is capable of doing that. He, you know, he just, it's not like, that's no shots at Noel Buck because obviously Carlos, you know, he's a former league MVP. He's truly one of the best at what he does um, in that role, but they, yeah, they, once he came on, I think uh, I saw uh, Seth McCumber from Blazing Musket tweeted out, you know, the stat that like he came on. And, and yeah, as you said, just along with the number of touches or passes, you know, like he I think had the he created the greatest number of chances um, or had led the team in chances created after he came on for just you know that period of the second half. Um, and just changed the game for them kind of and just showed, you know, what's possible. And there there were moments where I felt, especially when they recovered the ball in their own um in their own end where in the first half they had just no outlet. They had no one to, you know, push the ball out to to kind of keep possession and calm things down for a second to then progress the ball in their regular buildup. They were just kind of, you know, at, they, it sort of devolved and almost just, you know, trying to lift it over the top to someone and play route one with the two strikers. And that, that didn't seem to be working with any kind of consistency or any kind of, you know, flow and connecting passes. And uh, yeah, it's just, it It was very clear just sort of what Hill adds, basically,
0: yeah. it, it couldn't it couldn't be more clear, I think, from this game <laughs> what they were missing. And again, it's compounded by the fact that Bo was out. It's compounded by the fact that Dylan Barrera was out for the entire season. But I think there's going to be unfortunately for the revs a decent amount of games this year where they probably can't rely on Carly's heel to be healthy for ninety minutes. so they they need to find a way. To, to generate more offense like you said Noel buck i thought he did an admirable performance obviously the goal was great he did have two key passes but there's there's no direct replacement for Carlias heel on this roster i don't think there's any direct replacement for Carlos heel on anybody's roster if you, you lose you lose your star number 10 it's, it's going to be very hard for any team i think
1: and correspondingly you saw the impact that you know the number 10 can have from chicago's point of view i mean yes. both of their first half goals were the result of um you know what on maybe first glance would look to be kind of speculative long balls, but on replay, especially the first one you see, it's just an inch perfect, um, you know, long ball that, while it is still technically like sort of route one, I mean, it was like precise route one because it's coming from a player in Shakiri who um, I think is the highest player paid player in MLS. And in uh, yeah. <laughs> that case, deservedly. So I guess you see what he adds. And then the second one, uh, the second goal, you know, was also the result of that where it was a, a you know, a sprayed, you know, long ball from Shakiri. Um, out, you know, to the left and, and, uh, and that, that set up, um, Akatsias, who then played in, uh, Navarro and that, you know, led to the own goal. And so it's just both, you know, it was such a swing in the first half to, on one hand, one team not their number 10. And then the other, the number 10 was absolutely, well, at least for a period of the game thriving.
0: Yeah, and I do want to jump into the lineup quickly and kind of get your thoughts on that because they did have to fill in some holes this game. Brandon Bye out, adding to their already long list of injuries. Carly's heel, like you mentioned, you know, couldn't start this match. Um, I think I was surprised to hear midweek that he was going to be available for this match most likely. So that was that was good news for the Rouse. I think everybody, when they saw him walk off the pitch with a non-contact injury last week, was faring the worst. So that, that was good news that he was even able to play 30 minutes. Um, but what did you think about how... Bruce kind of adjusted, giving those absences. He played two forwards up top for the first time in a while. He did that some earlier in the season, but we haven't seen that in a while. Um, Wooden Vironi up top, and then it, they they put the lineup out as if it was you know a three-five-two or a five-three-two. It looked like a four-four-two to start, right? With with DeJuan Jones at right back and, and McCune at left back. But what did you think of those adjustments and, and how that we talked about it lacking generating offense? But what did you think of those adjustments from Bruce and that decision?
1: I so it's I'm, I'm glad you pointed out that the the pregame lineup was different from how they actually lined up, you know, because that things like that happen, of course. But I felt that was actually a very interesting one because it was just, um, you know, it it was kind of the system that I expected them to do. Right. You know, especially when you see the lineup and you see there's, you know, ostensibly three center backs in there with McCoon, who's not normally a left sided player. Uh, so then it was. Uh, very interesting. at kickoff to see, Oh, okay. No, they are still playing a flat back four. And it was like a sort of four, one, two, one, two with, uh, as we were saying before, with Buck as the number 10 and, uh, um, you know, then a sort of uh, diamond midfield and then yeah, Brioni and Wood, uh, starting for the first time together, I think was the stat, um, up front alongside one another, which we haven't really seen a lot of two striker looks from, uh, from Bruce this year. Um, I asked him about that a few weeks ago, and he honestly just said it was mostly due to injuries. So it's not, I mean, like we used to see them play bow and uh, Booksa together and other combinations of two forwards. So it's, you know, and obviously, heel in his most natural role plays as a number 10, which can operate very well with a, you know, a front two. So theoretically, it can work, but it just, especially without heel in there, uh, it just looked pretty disjointed. And I don't remember actually seeing, of Rione or Wood combine passes at all. I remember seeing them try, but I don't remember seeing them actually succeed in doing so. And so uh, there was also that moment where they they made, you know, basically the same run and literally collided with each other after, um, you know, there there wasn't they, – they didn't score. And and that, it's not that that was anyone's fault. They, they both made the right read, but it's also just kind of like – it's just symptomatic of like they're kind of the same type of forward, it seems like, a little bit, or at least they're playing that way currently. And so they're both making the same kind of runs. And so it just – It didn't totally. um, It it, it didn't seem like it worked at all, really, in creating um, you know tangible offense. And as we were saying, you know, the goals came from completely other uh, avenues of of approach rather than um, you know working the ball into the box or doing something like that. I mean, obviously, um, the set piece thing, which we can get into if we want to talk about that as well, was uh, a a pleasant surprise, Um, and maybe that was sort of a result of having two strikers on the field for some period of time. Uh, uh, But. you know, I think from open play, yeah, it 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 didn't really work, and then you saw them shift in the in the second half.
0: No, the chemistry clearly wasn't there between Wood and Rioni, and like you said, it was the first time the two of them have started together. Uh, so it's it's I guess not surprising they haven't they haven't had much of a chance to play together. Yeah, and I I thought on paper. The two of them have qualities that could be complementary of each other. We've seen Wood play well with Gustavo Bo when the two of them were healthy, where Wood was more of a hold-up striker and, and Gustavo Bo was able to play off of him. And we've seen Giacomo Rioni in other games play not like Gustavo Bo. They're very different skill sets, but play in, this, in the sense of being a guy that likes to face goal and run at defenders. Um, and that Sporting Kansas City game where he had those two goals, he was very much a guy that you know wanted to face goal and, and run at guys, and he had some success with that. And in my mind, because of how we saw Wood play with Bo, where he was more of the hold-up guy and Bo was the guy running at defenders, that could work in a similarly complementary fashion, again, even though they're different players, um, with Veroni Wood. But we did not see that in this game. Do you, do you think it's... Are, are you... Uh, do you think this this formation, or not this formation, but this this combo, just needs more time to maybe work it out? Or after this game, are you worried that they're you know not going to be able to be complementary strikers if they do get more minutes together?
1: I mean, I think it can work because I, neither of them are like inherently. Um like, you know, lazy or whatever. It's, I think like you saw actually that, you know, Noel Buck's goal was a result of Frioni tackling back and making a play defensively, um, which you'd like to see from a player, even if he's not scoring goals. And Wood has also done that earlier in the season where his pressing resulted in a turnover that led to a goal. I mean, they both work hard. And so you're like, theoretically, they could, you know, work something out. I think there's a chance that maybe if they just have more time together that they'll figure this out. Um, uh, Part of me... And this was true, whether it was these two or other players, but just in the sort of Bruce era with New England, part of me has always been a little suspect of playing a two striker system, just because it always feels like it was just a way to get someone like Booksa and Bo in the same lineup. And it just, it didn't necessarily take advantage of space the best way. Um, And particularly when you have other wingers who are healthy, which is you know, not a thing that they maybe have now with Barrera's injury, but it just felt like they had better options in the past. But now, I mean, yeah, especially with Barrera being out for the year, like they they might have to really take a hard look at this system because, um, you know, it, you could play as they did in the second half, a three back system with two forwards and have Hill be the number 10 behind them, you know, and then some combination of pollster. Um, Buck and Blessing, you know, behind them as like a double pivot. And that seemed to kind of work. And it, I felt like that would have been the natural starting lineup, but they went with a, a flat back four. But either way, in either of those systems, you play with two forwards. And I feel like it it could work. So, yeah, that's a very long-winded way to say, like, maybe it needs more time. But I, I think, you know, you can't judge something after just kind of one game. So, you know, I think those those guys are talented. I think you should give it another shot if it, it makes sense for them tactically.
0: Honestly, for for me, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, and, and I agree with you on just about everything you said there. And that in the past, it has almost seemed like the two striker system when they've done it has been to try to force your three D DPs onto the field that and kind of sacrificing other areas in the field to do so. But with the injuries that they have now, it it is almost it, to me it almost makes more sense to do two strikers uh, to generate more offense and to get more going because you don't have Barrero, uh, you don't well, at the moment you don't have Gustavo bow and but on top of that, I, I think Adam Buxo was a guy that was. Is very capable of playing as a lone number nine up top I'm not sure they have that guy on the roster this year we've seen Bobby Wood get a lot of minutes as a lone number nine I he is serviceable there but I don't I don't love him as a lone striker and I don't think Giacomo Vrioni looks good as a lone number nine um Gustavo Bo for the type of player he is doesn't make sense to have him as a lone number nine he's he's just not he's not a hold up guy he's not going to win balls in the air the way the revs play I think that does, you know they, they've done it they've tried it I don't think that works very well and i don't I, maybe I, I don't want to speak for both of us but i don't trust josie altdor to i think he might have the skill set to be a lone number 9 earlier in his career but i don't think anyone wants to see him starting uh, period let alone as a lone number 9 at this point <laughs> despite the goal he had in this game
1: yeah i mean and i will say to to josie's credit um you know that that was a a great moment for him and also just like it kind of showcases what he can still do and he 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 did other things in that game he had a nice um Sort of outlet pass where he checked back to the ball with his is back to um, the other team's goal in his own in the rev zone half of the field and just sort of side volleyed like a nice like you know sort of outlet pass and you're just like okay you see you still see flashes of of game from Josie obviously and I, I don't doubt that he has that but it's just yeah certainly I mean you know if if he's starting that that's a sign that I mean just not even anything to do with Josie, but just like you have Bobby Wood and you have Rioni. Rioni is a designated player. So if he's not able to play and he's healthy over, you know, that's not a good sign anyway. So, um, but yeah, it it was, you know, Josie came on and had an impact though, um, uh, which uh, I, I would not necessarily have bet on when it happened, but um, you know, he, again, especially if they're working set pieces. I mean, I think he scored on a set piece last season, one of his only goals for the team. So, um, you know, that is that is his value. That is what he can do late in a game.
0: Yeah, and as an eightieth minute sub, certainly the legs were there for, for the fifteen minutes or seventeen minutes he was out there for. And it was it was a good showing for by you know by by the standards that he's he's set with the revs, which haven't been great. I thought it was a good showing, uh, you know, not to take away from the goal, but it's not he's not gonna get a much easier goal. He actually he actually, True. He actually <laughs> whiffed trying to put it in and it hit him
1: <laughs> and bounced in. I was... I was gonna say, yeah, it was not his cleanest of finishes either, which doesn't help the case. But hey, I mean, they they do all count, so. <laughs>
0: We do have more questions on this one, so I think this is a good time to to jump into our listener questions. Um, Before we do, quickly wanted to take a minute to mention our the sponsor of the podcast, Galaco Kits. Galaco Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. Passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. If you head to GalacoKits.com today, you can save fifteen percent off your order using the code RevsRecap. That's RevsRecap at checkout for fifteen percent off your order at Galaco Kits. Um, First question from Ryan Duplesi on Twitter. He's got a lot of he's a lot of bemused by what happened he says Josie scored Rioni started what is even happening in this game <laughs> <laughs> I guess there was some surprises right
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it, that's what I'm saying you know, if you were at that game you absolutely got your money's worth so I mean yeah, you know, there was all you know are you not entertained it was kind of the definition of that both the good and the bad I would say um uh you know just what you fell behind two nothing in the first half and then erased that and like I said I felt like looked like the better team for a majority of the game and yet uh, never led. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, Rob on Twitter says, Emo Boateng won quite a few corners tonight and even used his speed at one point to track down a player on defense. How would you grade his performance today and
1: for the season so far? I mean, he's been so far above, you know, certainly what I think he's getting paid. Um, and just, you know, what his perceived offseason value apparently was, which I, I That's think is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just that blows my mind. And uh, you know, I, his performance last night I felt was um, good. I felt that, um, you know, they're they're asking a lot of him defensively at times, and that, you know, could pose problems if that's a thing over the long term, depending on, I guess, Brandon Byes' status. But, yeah, going forward offensively, I mean, he – I think I saw, like, he averages per 90 minutes, like, the greatest – like, I, I forget what the advanced stat was, but it's essentially, like, it, his like goals created or his value, essentially – um, per 90 minutes is extremely high. And that makes sense because you look at what he does and he's just an extremely good crosser of the ball. I think actually uh, the first corner kick goal in the first half, because Carlos was not, I think that was Emo. So yep. it's just what he's able to provide, um, you know, crossing the ball and, and yeah, and just providing width and speed. Um, it's exactly the type of player that they need with Barrero out. So um, you can't, you know, anything that, you know, his, his, Occasional shortcomings defensively. Honestly, there was enough of that to go around with the rest of the actual defense. That I think you can look the other way on that. I think he he had a great game.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Defensively, I think has always been a bit of a weakness for him. It's just his size. He, he, the effort is there, um, but it's yeah. not. It's yeah. not as. It's not a strong suit. Uh, but offensively, you know, it, it was it was another good performance from him. And when you think about it, I, I think of the season, you got to give him an A for what he's done for this revolution. He stepped up so much. Uh, with Dylan Burrow out, but when you think about it, the Revs were ready to let him walk in the offseason. Bruce Arena was ready to let him walk. He made something like two hundred and twenty thousand last year. Or so. It was it was in the two hundreds last year, which to yeah. me, yeah, two twenty five last year. So to me, and he had an option. Presumably, he might was going to get maybe a tiny bit of an increase there. I, I probably not more than 250. I, I don't know for sure. But to me, the fact that they were willing to let him walk because of that salary is insane to me. Where, where would this Revolution team be right now with the injuries they had if they didn't have Ima Boateng? It would be a disaster. I, I, can't, I can't imagine how this team functions without him. And lucky for the Revs that no other GM in MLS apparently wanted him or wanted him more than the league minimum salary. But just going back to the offseason, if, if Ima Imabotang had walked away and gone to another team, that would have been such a huge blow for this Revolution team. And I, I don't know where they'd be without him.
1: Yeah, it, truly. Because, I mean, you think about the goals that he's been involved in, just like the the plays that he's been involved in, even if they weren't directly goals, just like the, the plus attributes that he brings. Uh, yeah. Kind of no one else on the roster um, has except for like maybe Dewan Jones, but he's, you know, already, already, needed in literally multiple other places at the moment in defense. So, you know, in terms of actual true wingers, I guess, yeah. Uh, Ima just an unbelievable uh, bargain and an asset for them right now. Yeah it's it's
0: that's just it's still insane to me that no other team wanted him in the offseason yeah. an MLS veteran <laughs> that can do what he does for the Revolution usually off the bench but now we're seeing him do it in the starting lineup. You know, even with expansion clubs I it's I, somebody should have offered him $300,000 yeah. or something to, to come and be on their team but I, I that one I will never understand. I we we've both seen him <laughs> enough to know what he's capable of. Yeah
1: yeah and you know i think he probably just you know it's like uh actors getting typecast i think maybe there's a chance that people just felt at a certain point well he's not a guy who could ever play 90 minutes or whatever and uh or i don't know what the perception was but whatever it was i mean clearly misguided and just um uh an absurd collective failure of scouting on the part of like any other team in mls so hey good for the revs though i guess they they just not in so almost in spite of themselves sort of fell back into having um a great depth who is now a starter
0: a great depth piece who is now a starter who does not count against a salary <laughs> cap because he's on the supplemental <laughs> roster it, every every bit of that is insane to me um, <laughs> one guy that does count against the salary cap uh, paulo s on twitter asked us about he says does the josie goal shut down the buyout talk
1: <laughs> i i mean to be honest i guess i don't i i you know, I should play more football manager MLS because then I would, I feel that would be the best way for me to learn a lot of the nuance in terms of the league um, cap rules and whatnot. I don't actually know. Also, I don't know if it's public um, what the split is with Toronto in terms of how much of his salary they're paying versus the revs. Um, I saw some report on Twitter, but that's a thing that I'm not going to put a hundred percent stock in, I guess we'll say so. Um, but you know, whatever that is, I think, you know, it, I'd be curious, you know, after this season, because he, he has, he's still on the books next season. He, he
0: is. And the Revs are hundred percent responsible for a salary next season. There's no more, there's no more Toronto uh, sub- subsidy. So we don't, but we don't know oh. what it's going to be. We don't know what that salary looks like.
1: <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, at that point, I don't know, but another year of it just feels like, I mean, even again, just Josie seems to be, you know, by all accounts, a professional, he seems to be you know, working and he had a goal. So, I mean, you know, the, he's like, you can't, you can't take real, he takes a lot of um takes a lot of it, obviously for his salary versus role and whatnot, but that's, that's not Josie's fault. That's, you know, that's front office, that's management, um uh you know, making that decision to commit to that. So they chose to do that. So I, I'm not entirely sure what their options are after this season, but I would think, I mean, it, it, it can't go on like this unless he starts, you know, becoming a viable bench player and bench option or, you know, someone who maybe even could work his way back into the lineup if they go with a two-striker look and you know they they need guys because they're injuries or something. But yeah, I mean, for the money, it it just just in a world with the salary cap as it is, you, you can't commit that kind of you know, resources to one player who just basically doesn't play important minutes, um, or you know, doesn't play a lot of them. Um so I'm not really sure what they do there, but I mean, his performance last night helps certainly, but I mean, it. I, in my opinion, it doesn't change the, the real outlook on his value to the team to an extent.
0: Yeah. I, I think you've, you got it right there. I think if if he you know if he does a lot more of this, then that that helps. This one certainly helps. It, it's way too soon to say it shuts down the buyout talk. You know, and again, you look at this Revolution roster and, and how many holes they have right now because of all the injuries they have, and a lot of these injuries are long term injuries with Barrero, uh, Kessler. You know, you hope he's going to be back this season, but there's no guarantee of that. You know, there's there's a lot of areas of this roster that need help, and with the amount of room Josie's taking up, we don't know exactly what it is, but I think it's safe to assume it's a very large chunk of Tam. That's going towards Josie. Uh, he, that buyout talk is not go away because he scored a goal that landed off his plant foot and bounced in. And again, it was a positive performance. He did other good things out there. I don't want to you know hammer Josie after this performance because it, it was a good one for him. A good 17 minutes, but it, that Alone is not enough for me to stop talking about the buyout, especially given the other areas of this roster that the Revolution could use help on. We talk about the lack of depth on the wings with Burrow out. We talk about the lack of depth at fullback with with Brandon buyout and not really having much after him. Center back with with Henry Kessler out. I don't think any of us love the options behind Andrew Farrell and and Dave Romney there. So, you know, if he's going to be the fourth striker on this team at that salary. Even if he comes up every once every you know ten games to put a, a goal away in the 80th minute, I don't know that that's enough to shut down the buyout talk. So, it, you know, positive positive step in the right direction for him, but I need to show a lot more be beyond, before August second that buyout deadline to to convince me that that's not the right move, especially given he has another year in his contract.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it kind of it has to be considered heavily, I think, and and definitely talked about. And again, I mean, that's you know uh, it's not reflective of Josie, uh, beyond anything other, than just the fact that, you know, he's no longer as a player, um, maybe up to what his, you know, or definitely in my opinion, up to what he's getting paid, but just, I mean, he's a professional and I do think like a lot of the flack that he takes, um, uh, gets a little over the top sometimes, but you know, Hey, I mean, again, that's, if you want to be mad at someone, be mad at, um, Reps front office for signing up to for that um, and and putting themselves in this hole. But um, yeah, I think, you know, they... they you, you look at... I mean, I was just thinking you you listed a couple things where they need help. I mean, it goes beyond that too. I mean, you yes. could even argue, you know, kind of almost like center midfield. And we were saying like, you know, there's no real replacement for heel, And I'm not saying that you could go find someone like that, but just, you know, some sort of cover for that attacking midfield spot or, you know, additional cover... Um, In the middle of the pitch, because they're like one injury away from being kind of like down to it. And just like, thankfully, there's this 18 year old who's emerged as a great player uh, who's given you a whole other spot here again for, you know, money comparable to what Ima Boateng is. But um, yeah, they uh, they could use some some reinforcements over the summer just based on the current um, injury list.
0: Yeah. And, and a few years ago, you, you talk about the, the center mid, they went out and got Lee Wynn back to kind of fill some plug in some minutes when when Carly's heel was out. I don't know if I can't think of anyone like that now that they could go out and do that with, but if there's a move like that, you can make where you, you know, have a veteran guy that's, at the later end of his career that can you know plug in some minutes when when Carlos Hielo is out that would be a great move to make um yeah. i am not i wish i had a name at the top of my head to, to offer for that but um, <laughs> that's just a move that kind of comes to mind that they did a few years ago when when Carlos was out um, so yeah there's, right? there's a there's a, a lot of different areas where they could address issues and you know having him take up that amount of salary as the fourth fourth string striker on the roster just doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense um, as far as Rioni we have several questions about him And they kind of range the spectrum. People were happy with his performance. People were disappointed with his performance all over the map. So I'm going to go through a few of these and kind of get your take. Uh, Paulo S also on Twitter says, does Vrioni get another start after a lackluster performance? TSB11 on Discord said, Vrioni didn't score, but he did damn near everything else. Vrioni has to start again, right? Uh, And Porter on Discord says, how would you rate the holdup play? from Rioni. So, uh, several different questions on Rioni actually have some more that I'm going to get to after this, but, um, some people happy with the performance, some people disappointed with the performance. What did you think of his performance?
1: I, so, I mean, there was, uh, there was good and bad in there. I think like, you know, it was overall not a great performance from him, but I do think that, you know, like I said, um, the first goal, you know, you have to give credit where it's due there. And he absolutely, you know, worked hard for that. Um, I thought I wasn't sure if it was a foul, to be honest. But I get, you know, he was able to just, you know, that the referee was letting a lot go, and so he was allowed to, you know, make that challenge and turned it over, and then that led to Buck's goal. Obviously, as we were saying before, though, also, you know, Buck did a lot with that. That wasn't exactly like he fed Buck into, you know, like an open shot inside the box or something. But um, he did good work there. I think, though, in terms of his hold-up play, um, left a little bit to be desired. I can think of a couple. Uh, instances where he was kind of just dispossessed and, um, you know, uh, turn the ball over and, uh, you know, his sort of pass accuracy, which like, you know, from a center forward is, is not always the highest on the team, but even still, you know, it was, uh, it was like 68%, you know, that's not um, great. I, you know, he created some chances. He had that one opportunity where he was clean in because I think uh, he just kind of, you know, pushed through the defender and the defender kind of fell over and he was, um, in and, and he just took it as a, you know, as a forward who just, I think, isn't, doesn't have a lot of confidence and you can see that. And it was easily, uh, saved, um, just point blank. So, uh, I, I, you know, not his best performance, but, um, I I guess, you know, at at this point, you know, you need your, you need your DPs to play and to play well. And so I think he's going to keep getting reps though, because, you know, they need it.
0: Yeah, I, I think you kind of touched on a lot of different areas of his game, a lot of good ones. Um, I think the the turnover that he created for the Noel Buck goal, and Porter also mentioned that, was, was certainly a positive. Um, I think he's – it's unfortunate he didn't get a secondary assist on that one, but I think Wood got the assist. I think he stole it, got it to Wood, and, and Wood got it to Buck. Uh, given the, the bizarre secondary assist rules, you never know what's going to be a secondary assist right. and what isn't. But that was that was great effort from him. But then the other highlight is the chance he had to. I think it was when the Reds were at two-two, right? When he had that opportunity to to score, where he got alone in the box, tons of space, tons of time. Uh, I think it was too much time, probably, for a guy that's confidence maybe not as high as it could be, uh, and just shot it right at the goalkeeper. That was, you know, for a guy for a designated player striker that's brought in for his finishing ability. That was really unfortunate for him. Um, but I, I think he needs to continue to get starts. You, you mentioned his hold-up play, too. I, I don't think his hold-up play is a strength. I don't think it really ever has been in his time with the Revolution. I, you know, From watching highlights of him before that, I don't think it ever has been. I can't say that with certainty. I haven't seen enough of him over in Austria to, to say that that's not part of his game. But it doesn't seem like that's part of his game. Which is why I think on paper, like I said earlier, him and Wood could work well together if Wood was that hold-up guy and he was a guy making runs off of him like, like Bo and Wood did. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think he's your designated player. I think Bo is out for however long. It doesn't seem like he's made much progress to come back. Rione, I think, needs to continue starting. He needs to get an opportunity to find that confidence. Maybe it doesn't happen and you move on, but I think he needs a run out there to, to see if he can find that confidence and contribute to this team. So I expect him to continue starting. I would like to see the revolution continue to try to play two forwards as long as they have all these injuries and, and see if they can make that work. At some point you give up and move on, but I don't think that Veroni has had enough of a run to, to do that yet. And, you know, maybe his performances in practice haven't earned that. Maybe there's various things that haven't earned that, but I think he did enough in this game, even though it wasn't perfect. And, you know, there were certainly flaws to get more minutes and give him that opportunity Um and, and and on that note porter on discord asked do you think rioni pairs better with wood Rennix, or josie i don't think we've seen enough of him with Rennix or josie to necessarily make a uh, make a statement there but i guess just based on their style of play who are those three do you think he pairs best with uh rioni you're saying rioni yeah of, of rennex wood and josie who does rioni pair best with potentially based on you know what we've seen from them
1: i mean as we were saying i think it technically or th- theoretically, I guess, is would because, you know, uh renix Josie is a hold up player. But as we were also saying, like, I don't think that's at this point, like a, a thing where he should be starting Um, just, you know, for his benefit and the team's just because I think like he is a player who can come on in the second half. And as we saw, you know, have an impact. But when the game opens up a little bit in the second half, I think, you know, starting him would not be the best choice. I think it is wood. If you're going to play two, I think it has to be wood, but I think they're the, the two best players. So, and they also, as you're saying, you know, that Frione, what I'll say is, you know, when you watch him play, especially um, when I've been able to be at like home games and you, you see it in person um, you know, wider than just the TV angle, you see that his movement is, is very interesting at times. And like, he'll go from being like, he has that good sort of uh, intention as a forward where He'll be just kind of hanging out seemingly. And then he'll just make this sort of wide sweeping run and try to look for a ball. And they tried to get him in a couple of times. And there was one sequence where I think he he almost latched onto it and it went out for a goal kick. And then I think, I want to say, unfortunately, that was like the thing that <laughs> preceded one of Chicago's goals. But that was unrelated. That's not his fault, obviously. It was just like an unrelated uh, end to a, an attempt to play him in. But he makes those good runs. And so you say, okay, well... You yeah, know, I'm not exactly sure how that fits in with working with a second striker, but he has that capability. So that's almost like more of a midfield thing. Like they need to try to look for that early ball more sometimes or, you know, like they're, they're still maybe optimizing the best way to bring out his best attributes and, and find those. And so I think, you know, yeah, it, playing with wood is the thing. And I think especially once they work together more um know, yeah, i mean you did see that when they like books and Bo played together they did get better playing with each other over time and it's just you know over time players learn where they're going to run and their habits and then it becomes a little more anticipatory so i think yeah getting him more reps uh and getting him more reps with bobby wood is is probably the the best route
0: yeah i agree i'm, I'm still too negative on josie to consider that as as the option i think Rennick's, you know offer something off the bench or offer something as a rotational guy with, with his hustle and ability. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think that's the great matchup. I do think it's wood on paper. Again, it didn't, didn't show it this game, but I think if the two of them got on the same page, weren't getting in each other's way and, and kind of knew how to play off of each other, I do think their skill sets would be complementary. So I think it's would, and I think with more time, um, that could work very well. Um, I'm not going to say that for certain until we actually see it, but didn't see it in this game. But I do think when the two of them get more time to be on the same page, it, it could definitely work. Uh, his his last question, Porter's last question was, in your opinion, would a Beau-Vrioni pairing tear up the league?
1: I mean, that's another one where I guess, you know, like we, we don't really know. I'd like in theory. Yeah. Because they're both designated players. You're like, well, then that would mean, especially if you're assuming Carlos is in that team, which, you know, if he's healthy, he would be, then that's all three designated players. You've, you know, completed the goal of an MLS roster construction, essentially to have your best players uh, on the field at the same time. Uh, Having said that, like, you know, I guess I don't know. I will say like, you know, Bo seems like the type of player who would try to find Brioni on one of his like, you know, Bend, bending runs or, you know, sort of looping runs in behind. And so maybe that would work because then that's how you stretch out the defense and then especially with, you know, Blessing and Buck and midfield runners coming in um, or like Dewan Jones, like that's how you create a lot of opportunities in offense and we've seen that from the Revs in, in years past with, you know, Bo making those type of crossfield passes, you know, he's capable of that and obviously so is Carlos as well. So, you know, maybe that system works, um, but it's like you know the other things where it's just we can't really know and I will say also yeah like Rioni and Bo both don't seem to be like hold-up players so if that's a thing then you you kind of maybe don't want both of them on the field at the same time but um I don't know I feel like once they're all healthy that we probably will see that because again they're the designated players and at some point Bruce is probably just going to try to you know play those guys
0: yeah I think that's my concern too is that neither of them are really hold-up guys and it it changes how the team can play. If you play the two of them out there, it, it could work, but I haven't seen enough to be convinced that it would. I, I do still think on paper, a, a wood bow combo or a wood Rioni combo just makes more sense based on skill sets. Now, bow and Rioni, based on salary and based on resume are your two best strikers on the roster. So it would be great to find a way for the two of them to play together. I, I, I just I'm not sure yet how well that would work. At the same time, I've, I've said this on the podcast before. If Bruce Arena is going out and signing Rioni to be a designated player along with Gustavo Bo, he had to have thought the two of them could be complementary to each other and play together. We haven't seen it yet. There hasn't been much of an opportunity for it. I think we need to see it at some point when they're both healthy. I'm just not sold that, that they would tear up the league if the two of them did that. I think if the Revolution found a way to be more dominant in midfield, to play more possession-style possession, st- possession style soccer and get them the ball on the ground making those runs, I think that could work. If they're you know, trying to counterattack more and having to play some long balls and don't really have a hold-up guy, that sort it of becomes more problematic. Uh, so I'm, I'm just not... I'm not sold that that combo would tear up the league, but I do think we need to see it at some point and find out. I just think it's... You know, the Revolution have to play in a different way if they don't have a hold up guy up there i don't think either of those guys are particularly good at holding up the ball
1: yeah and i will say the the second half when they switched to the kind of three five two setup with um you know blessing as a more advanced role and buck dropping in a little deeper i actually really liked that and then you know obviously they changed it again when they actually brought carlos on and that you know he he became the primary guy but my thought was also like you could play that, but then kind of put Carlos in instead of like Rioni or someone and put him sort of, you know, nominally a second striker. But obviously, Carlos is going to drop in wherever he wants. But you keep the shape otherwise with Blessing in a more advanced role, because I think he does better in that situation, as especially in terms of pressing. And just kind of see if you could really yeah, dominate the middle of the field and then work a chance or two, you know, in for someone like Wood. Um, but you know, that's I don't know. That's that's a little aggressive for Bruce tactics. I think I don't know if they would ever actually do something like that. But I did think the three back system kind of worked for them a little bit, um, especially in terms of getting Boateng and Jones forward. And yeah, and and working real offense into you know like a, if you if you are using a two striker setup.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with that, and I also think when when you don't have Brandon Buy available and your fullback options are what they are, that also probably makes more sense because it allows you to you know, maybe have a Boateng as as kind of your your wide player instead of having a McCoon as your wide player. I yeah. I I guess I'll ask you your thoughts. What what are your thoughts on McCoon as left back? Because personally, I'm I don't love it, and I don't love what we've seen from Ben Sweat at left back either. So I think I think that more than anything, when Brandon Bye is out, makes leads me to almost want to see. You know, kind of the three man back line, uh, rather than forcing one of those guys out there at fullback. Cause I, it's just uh, those options that don't seem that great to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he, he played, um, up and down. Like I think his turnover led to Shakiri getting the ball for the first goal. So, you know, it's not directly his fault because Shakiri played an unbelievable pass and then, um, Ketsius put in a really nice finish, I thought. But, um, yeah, that turnover did kind of lead to that. So that's, you know, would be a, a, a check against him a little bit. I think like he performed admirably because he was clearly playing out of position and that was a tough circumstance. He played a couple, he played one kind of nice looping through ball into Boateng that sprang him down the left. And I think when they started doing that more, um, it was working a little better for him, but there were definitely extended periods, especially in the first 30 minutes where he was like the guy who it seemed like Chicago was just kind of letting be on the ball. Um, And they would mark Boateng and they would try to mark up in the midfield and they would just let like, okay, McCoon, you can, you know, have the ball. Uh, What can you do with it? And that's asking a lot of him because, you know, he's just he's playing out of position. So he was doing his best, but he clearly was not super comfortable in that role. And so you could say like, well, maybe again, like we were saying with other people in other positions, maybe if they had more reps. But I don't think I necessarily want that if I'm the revs. I think, yeah, I, I would prefer to shift maybe a formation and play three backs that he's just playing in a more natural role and then just, you know, move Boateng to like sort of a a wing back role as to provide width in that way. So it seemed like that felt more natural for him in the second half. Anyway, so maybe if they keep going with this, that, that would be the preferred route. Cause I, yeah, I I don't think long-term or or any over any period of time, you really want to have Makuna at, as a, as a true left back, I would say.
0: know uh and and all the non discord more of a comment says no lazo after no lazo how do you feel about that uh that that expression calling no buck's goals no lazos <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean i love it i love um how there was like discourse in the press box over what his goal song was and he was talking about like it's inspired by his dad who has a you know a very broad love of different kinds of music and so yeah he's yeah, he's thoughtful i i feel like you know if we have like uh you know, more thoughtful sort of, uh, uh, t- nicknames for him, you know, uh, his, the vibe around him is just, uh, it, it's very good right now. And, uh, you know, every week it just feels like, you know, in, ser- in all seriousness, like he just seems to grow as a player, like a little bit, and you see some new thing that he's kind of adding to his game in real time. It's, it's very, um, it's very exciting to see. And it's just that, you know, could not be better time for, for the revs in terms of just like, they need, they needed someone to step up and he, you know, literally did for them um to to jump start you know the the comeback there
0: yeah he's been huge and and the, the step up just in this past off season from, from last year was huge. And then, like you said, he's been growing every single game. So he's, he's been a, a huge piece for this Revolution team. Another guy that, if, you know, if he hadn't made that step up, you don't know where the Revolution would be, especially with all these injuries. Uh, it, just a, a quick, quickly looking forward. Uh, Tail Forever says, how do the Revs manage their lineup already being shorthanded with games Wednesday and next Saturday? Does Omar start next week? And just for context, the Revolution are playing at Atlanta on Wednesday, a very difficult game. And then at Yankee stadium against New York city FC on the weekend. So this is a a tough stretch for a shorthanded revs team. How do you think they handle it as far as rotation? I
1: mean, I, you know, I know that Omar, um, you know, you get towards the end of the bench and there are some options down there that I, I don't think most people would want to see as a starting formation. Um, and I, luckily I think, especially at center back, you know, there's a little more of a chance to play guys in a couple consecutive games without them being totally, um, gassed. And so I think, you know, they could probably not have to, you know, work in too much rotation with center backs. Um, yeah, how, you know, I mean, having said that Farrell is, is a veteran player. And so you want to watch his minutes a little, little bit. So maybe we see, um, you know, a return to a back four, but with, um, Romney and Makun at some point, um, you know, maybe you get that kind of rotation. But we asked Bruce, and he basically told us, like, we're gonna. <laughs> he doesn't know, and where he's gonna, you know, they're gonna have to figure it out. Which, um, you know, is an interesting answer. But of course, I, I honestly appreciate that because, of course, he doesn't know yet. I mean, they've had so many injuries, and they've had. They're already sort of stretched depth-wise. That exactly, you know, who's going to be fresh for what game is is probably kind of a mystery to them, and they probably won't really know that until um, you know, early next week. So, um, I'll be interested. I'm sure there probably will be a bunch of rotation because it's just, it's still too early in the season to really be like, this is must win. This is must win. I mean, you know, theoretically. Yeah. But also, you know, you'd rather take precautions and not risk it with different players if you know, you can. So I'm sure there will be, um, definitely some midweek rotation for sure.
0: Yeah, I think there. I think there has to be. I think you, there's a lot of young guys on this roster that could probably play three games in a week. But then you, you know, even the center back pairing, it, maybe it's not as intensive as some other spots in the field. But I, I think, I think you got to rotate there. I wouldn't be surprised if Omar does get a start midweek. And I, I go back to last year when. Andrew Farrell at the beginning of the season was playing every game uh, because they had that injury to I think it was to Kessler I think was out so they didn't really have yeah. the depth to, to rotate the way they wanted to and then Farrell played that Salt Lake game with the, which the Revolution lost before the Pumas game and then he got he was hurt before the Pumas game missed the Pumas game and the Revs lost that three nothing because they didn't have healthy center back pairing. Uh, so right. you know, Farrell has been an Iron Man for the Revolution over the years he started this season injured, but he had he had injuries last year. I don't think he I don't think you can count on him. To be a 90 minute player every single game three you know three games a week so i i, I think bruce would be smart to maybe rest Farrell against atlanta i think omar uh it's tough to, to put omar out there in a very difficult game in atlanta given some of the things we've seen in the past although i do think his performances this year off the bench in limited minutes have been you know, better than what we saw last year. But I don't know how that translates to 90 minutes in Atlanta. But I just think by necessity, you probably have to do that. And maybe it's not Omar, maybe you put McCune at center back and you give Ben Sweat some minutes at left back if you stick with the four man back line. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't think Based on what we've seen, you know, injury wise from some of these older players in the Revs, you can afford to to have Farrell out there ninety minutes all three games. M- maybe Romney, you do. I don't, I don't know, but he's you know he's been playing every game this season too, so he could probably use a rest. It's it's going to be very difficult for Bruce Arena, you know, the decisions he has to make given who's missing uh, and, and kind of just given injury histories that this guys in this situation. So I I'll, I don't I don't know what we'll see Wednesday, but I do expect we'll see some rotation, and I do think that Farrell at least at the center back pairing needs a rest and, and one of these games I don't think it makes sense to push him too hard especially given if he went down injured with anything long term when you're already missing Henry Kessler you are in a lot of trouble so you know if you end up dropping a game against Atlanta unfortunately because you know Farrell sat and you know, somebody came in and didn't perform as well that that stinks but it's better than if you end up losing Farrell long term and have to play with you know Romney and Omar or Romney and McCoon uh, for a significant stretch this season and I say that even after Farrell's probably had two games in a row that haven't been his best and some people are probably calling for him to be benched but um, I, I think still with you know who's behind him Farrell and Romney are your best options and if you lose feral long-term the revs are in trouble so it's it's better to take the risk and potentially lose a game now that doesn't matter as much as losing a lot of games because you've lost one of your center backs it's a long, long way yeah. of saying i think they're going to rotate wednesday
1: yeah and I you know i think it just shows you know i mean at the beginning of the season i remember especially once it became clear that dave romney was a really really good addition that oh well this is great now they have three good center backs they have some depth and then it's just in the blink of you know a single injury, um, you know that's that depth is gone, and now you are back to you know essentially where you were a year ago, where you have you know two starters who are good, and then kind of un- question marks behind that. And so, yeah, I mean you know th- th- it's, this is just going to be the reality for them for the foreseeable future. Because yeah, I forget exactly what. timeline is for Kessler's return but I know it's months it's not weeks so um you know if 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 that you know it could be longer depending on how it goes for him so um you can't count on him certainly to be back anytime soon in the regular season so um this is yeah just gonna be the thing and I think you know Christian McCoon is probably gonna get some some minutes here um one way or another and you know he's just the fact that he can play left back and maybe not well but he could play it and also the fact that he is you know probably the preferred third center back right now to omar you know i mean i would expect him to start one or you know possibly both of the games depending on if they go with the three back look so um yeah i you know as i agree with what you're saying in terms of you know it's not worth risking it all for a midweek game at the end of may here um in atlanta obviously you want to go out there you want to put a, a good team out there and you're playing to win um and i think that they can definitely but um yeah, I, I you know in terms of just risking minutes, you know in particular with certain players, that that is not worth it to me at this point in the season. Yeah,
0: yeah, and both of these are games too that looking looking at them would be you know positives for the Res if they get draws in both these road games. So that's kind of a, also part of the context for me is that these are two very difficult games, two of the more difficult games the revs have had so far, uh, road Atlanta, road Yankee Stadium, uh, which is always kind of a crapshoot. So <laughs> we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, last question. James Downing, we haven't talked about the salaries yet. Uh, we, I think Greg's actually planning to do a, kind of a midweek show this week to talk more about salaries, so we won't go too in depth. But James Downing says, anything stand out from the recently released salary figures? And he says, I'll admit they're not as fun giving the current competent management. <laughs> and we talked, we talked about Boateng and his salary being a huge steal. But is there anything else from these salaries that
1: kind of stands out to you? Um, I mean, you know, it's it's always funny to me. I mean, you know, yeah, I, Boateng really would have been the one that I, that I would have singled out because, I mean, it's just, it's truly an incredible level um, of uh, just of, of a deal that they're getting. But yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, once again, the the sort of disparities between salaries, I think it's just so much more profound in MLS than like any other major pro sports league that I see. And it's just always shocking to me to see like three and a half million or whatever next to like 67,000 Um and just, you know, that as the kind of reality in your team, it's a, it's a heck of a way to build a professional sports team. Um, and um, yeah, that's, that's just <laughs> from just a, the 10,000 foot level. That's just always my main takeaway. Whenever I scroll through any of their salaries is just the disparity in salaries. And I know that they've tried to address that and that's a thing that they've improved over time, but it's still such a, just huge um, aspect of the league and, and how it's built.
0: Yeah, there's, that's that's definitely a takeaway from this. And then just looking at some of the raw, uh, some I mean, some of these things in hindsight. Um, are easier to make comments on than they you know would have been if you knew the salary before the season started. But you look at Tommy McNamara, who you know was pretty solid for the Revolution last year, played a big role. Uh, interesting to see him make the jump from two hundred and forty thousand to four hundred and twenty thousand in his thirty-two year old season. When you know it's probably fair to say he's on the the downslope of his career, and you might be paying more for what you got in the past than what you're going to get in the future, and especially when you haven't seen him get any minutes yet. That one is maybe doesn't look so good right now. And in the context of what we talked about with Boatang and and how they you know, didn't have the salary to pay him. uh, They didn't want to pay him what his, you know, option was, which we don't know what it was, but presumably it was a lot less than that. Um, You know, if they, if they hadn't given McNamara that increase and they gave Boateng his option year, they probably still would have been paying less money than than what they ended up doing there. So that just the context of that one, that one is a little bit weird to me. Again, Tommy McNamara, a key part of this revolution team the past couple seasons, but you know, hasn't seen the field yet this year and is getting up there in age and giving they signed blessing. I think we all thought his role was going to be diminished this year even if he was healthy. So um, right. that's one that stands out to me a little bit. Again, 420,000 is not a huge number uh, at this point in the league, but still it's a, it's a big increase for a guy that is probably expected less of this year than you got from him in the past. So that that's there. nacho heel at 400,000. That looks bad right now since we haven't seen him. Nobody, not at all. Nope, nobody <laughs> knew what you're going to get from him when they signed him last year. He had some flashes that I think made it worthwhile bringing him back this season. Um, I'm not sure 400,000 necessarily was a number that made sense. Um, don't need to talk about Omar; his salary hasn't changed from last year. Same, th- same things we talked about last year apply. Talked about Josie, uh, just those you know, and we knew some of these guys had gotten increases, and there's some reason to do it because you can buy them down with TAM and gives you some flexibility with you know Latif Blessing, Dave Romney, Dave Romney even had his you know increased salary of uh, what is it 600 and um, I mean, yeah 6- 671,000 still still seems like a good move. Uh, but just, just those ones that, you know, some of those increases from guys that are on kind of the tail end of their career, um, don't necessarily make sense right now in the context of they've been injured all season, uh, Ben sweat, actually, that's the last one I'll talk about Ben sweat at 250,000 given, you know, he got cut from Kansas city, you know, I, I don't, I think they picked him up off waiver, so they probably didn't, they inherited a contract, but you know even at that amount, not being that much you know again if they weren't willing to pay that for ima Boateng, it's weird that they were willing to pay that for for ben sweat <laughs> given the history he had yeah. i guess i guess That's, anything anything in the context of ima Boateng <laughs> looks bad so <laughs> maybe i'd be a right. hush <laughs> yeah and
1: i will say the the one that um actually looks like maybe it well i i guess it still has some ways to go but it could be a, a, a bargain is is actually bobby wood you know when he when they got him, it was, you know, certainly a case where I wouldn't have necessarily blamed fans for kind of rolling their eyes, seeing that being like another veteran striker. What is he really going to add? Is this going to be just sort of another version of what we've already seen? But I mean, he's a lot cheaper in comparison, I guess, to um, Jose. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's not exactly cheap on its own. It's it's not Ima Boateng money, which of course nothing is, but um, you know, it is like uh, at 421, you know, that's, that's not terrible. And, especially the return that you're getting right now. I mean, he, he has scored a couple goals at this point. He's proven himself to be you know, a, a valuable player. He seems to kind of be in a resurgent year if he can stay healthy. So that actually, you know, taken, you know, in perspective, that's actually not bad business on their part
0: yeah that that is a great point, especially when you consider last year he made over a million with RSL and basically took a sixty percent pay cut. I think when we saw yeah. that move and we knew how much he made last year, you know there was questions on just how much we, we knew he was going to take a reduced salary to come here. There was questions on just how much that would have been, and if that was you know an eight hundred thousand dollar number instead of a four hundred and twenty one thousand dollar number, uh, I think that move looks a lot different, although even even at that number, given how well he's played this season, you couldn't complain. Too much, especially compared to what Josie offered his salary. Um, right. But that that four hundred twenty thousand does right now look like a bargain and look like a good move. When all of us, again, not having the context of what his salary was when the Rev signed yes. him, were questioning the move, and it, I certainly was. Um, we we'll, we will wrap things up there. We've, we've got an hour. Hayden, any any final thoughts? And could you let people know where they can find you on social media and where to find your writing in the Globe?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm at the Globe. I'm at Boston.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Hayden H Bird. Um, and uh, yeah, I think my my final thoughts are just, um, you know, they they should have won this game. They didn't, so you're disappointed with that. Uh, they also, it really showed it underscored the value of Hill, as we were saying. But in this game, I mean, despite some defensive miscues, uh, the you know goals given up that they shouldn't have, there were two things. Obviously, that continued. Emergence and excellence of Noel Buck, and then the uh, the set piece um, uh, randomly, kind of out of nowhere, after doing nothing with set pieces all season, two goals off of set pieces, um, very very timely. So those two things I think are real positives. That if they can kind of, you and know, obviously if if Buck can continue to grow and get minutes and develop, and then if they can continue, you know, they can actually start working some more set piece goals and opportunities. I think you know, those are two real potential strengths going forward that you could take away from this as positive. So it was a disappointing result, but there are two positives kind of baked in there.
0: Yeah, all good points. And the set piece one too is that's been an issue that's frustrated me with the revs this season and in the past where they haven't really been able to take advantage of set pieces uh, to the extent that you'd hope, especially with some of the bigger bodies they have out there on the field. You know, Romney Farrell, now Bobby Wood. So that that was definitely a positive from this one is that they were able to be effective on set pieces. And you know, especially with the injuries they have, I think they needed to continue to take more advantage of those set piece opportunities than they have in the past. So, great, great, great points there. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Donahue. Of course, follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram uh, at Revolution Recap. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to also check out our friends at the Blazing Musket. Thanks again for listening to Revolution Recap presented by Bet Online. We'll be back next weekend with a game podcast. I think we're going to come back midweek with a salary podcast from Greg. I don't know that we're going to be able to do an Atlanta recap, but anyways, you can always follow us on social media and we'll let you know. Thanks again.
1: You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming. And we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to people are the worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.